Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am one of your hosts for this episode, Cody Stoffer. And I'm the other one, Simon Voyanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And, you know, you're going to be hearing some from Gideon as well. But in exciting news, it is the end of the year awards season here at PMC. And in case you're tuning in for the first time to our end of the year awards or you didn't check out last year's, this is basically what goes down. So between myself, Simon, Gideon, as well as Anthony Garcia over at Mile High Prep Report, and you, the listeners slash fans, we have five collective votes here for four separate award categories. Those awards being in the order that we're going to present them. Newcomer of the year, that is freshman of the year, essentially. And uh, whichever freshman had the largest impact on their team. There's four candidates for each of these categories, by the way, which we will go over their kind of, you know, season and synopsis of what they've meant to their team following that we have offensive playmaker of the year where we'll have another four candidates decide who was the most useful on the offensive side of the ball then we have defensive playmaker of the year pretty straightforward there following the same trend and last but not least and one of the more exciting ones especially for two-way players on 1a here is most valuable playmaker here where, you know, we've gotten lots of votes on Twitter. Those polls just finished up, basically, as we're recording this episode. And to vote on any future polls, please make sure to tune in on Twitter, at Playmaker Corner, where we post the polls on Friday morning, and they will be open until Monday night for any future award shows as we start to crawl 1A, 2A, 3A, all the way towards 5A here. But we're talking about 1A Playmaker of the Year awards here. And so, Simon, I'm going to go ahead and introduce Newcomers of the Year unless I am missing anything here. Nope, you sound good. Go ahead and uh, get it going here. All right, so Newcomer of the Year, as mentioned, is going to be whoever was the most productive freshman of the year, all right? So we have a couple of candidates here, well, four to be exact, and I'm going to go ahead and just list them off and kind of just give a quick synopsis of a few of them here. So in our newcomer of the year here, we have Danny Sante as one of the headliners here. He is a freshman wide receiver slash kicker over at Lyman High School, Lyman being the number one seed in 1A football. Please make sure to check out our postseason predictions on episode 209 for full breakdowns of a lot of these teams who have, you know, obviously Playmaker of the Year candidates. But Newcomer of the Year, Danny Sante, while he didn't really contribute a whole lot as a receiver or as a defensive player recording a tackle, he did still manage to score a lot of points here in being Lyman's kicker here on point after touchdowns. He had 39 attempts and hit 36 of them for a 90% rate of PATs for a fresh. Okay, actually for any level of high school football is pretty insane here. But, you know, especially as a freshman kicker is just nuts. And it has been integral to Lyman's success for sure. And then he is one for one on field goal attempts from 25 yards totaling for 39 total points, and that is only through the regular season here. 
and that's Danny Sante from Lyman High School. And Simon, before I steal every uh, player here, what if we just kind of alternate and talk about the candidates here? You go ahead and talk about one of our other Newcomer of the Year candidates. Yeah, sure thing. And I will talk about Enzo Hernandez here. Uh, plays for Jefferson, obviously a freshman. Uh, a lot of these stats, by the way, I'm just going to say it right now, were the final stats they had right before their last regular season game because that's when we decided all of these things. So there you go there. Obviously, they probably put on stats or padded some numbers. But regardless, they're going to make our finalist list here um, and be you know a final finalist for our end-of-the-year awards. But I'm going to talk about Enzo Hernandez. Um, played for Jefferson, had 51 tackles, nine sacks. Jefferson, not really like a historically great program, I'm gonna say, but did do a good job putting in stats. Had a lot of young players step up. Uh, not just Enzo here, but you know Enzo was a big part of that, and so it's gonna be really interesting because there is another player from Jefferson that did make our newcomer of the year list, and so it'll, it's gonna be interesting to see how they grow together and get better and progress this Jefferson football program. Cody, do you want to talk about him real quick? Absolutely. You know, there's lots of things to be excited about in the future. I mean, this just seemed like a pretty young team this year. And I mean, they are an improving program. Last season did not go super well. Not that this one did so much, but they did get some wins this year. And I think a huge part of that outside of Enzo, who you talked about, is going to be Carlos Sanchez Diaz here who is another absolute stud on the defensive side of the ball. And I even have his updated stats in front of me right here. On the season, he had 53 total tackles, 28 of those being solo. And it's always, it does go a long way here for, you know, the majority of your tackles to be solo, at least in my regard here. And 12 of those tackles being for loss. So just being an absolute stud in run defense and doing the most for this Jefferson Saints team. But also at the defensive lineman position here, he also notched a pick six here, only one interception, but man, he housed it for 11 yards and has a touchdown on the season. So not only being a force on that defensive line and getting in the backfield constantly, but it also shows his ability to be heads up and show a little bit of IQ here with that pick six in that game. So. You know, obviously, he's a pretty well-rounded defensive lineman as only a freshman here. And, you know, in that, that interception was a part of one of their two wins this season here. And he plays up as well. I, I do want to just throw out here that, you know, in the Clear Creek game, which was their other win of the season, was one of his best games, recording nine tackles and three for loss here. So he is an elevator for sure, and is going to continue to be a force for this Jefferson defense. But, Simon, there's still another guy on here that was heavily advocated, actually, by our guy Gideon here. Do you want to kind of talk about him real quick? Yeah, and that's uh, Brogan Palmer out of Highland. Plays both ways here. Uh, before that last regular season game, had 181 receiving yards, a receiving touchdown, 
27 tackles, 3 tackles for loss, uh, 3 hurries and 3 deflections. I mean, Gideon was really impressed with how he played as a freshman against Flatirons Academy. Obviously, that was a very high-stakes game. And so, for Brogan to be in there and making plays, that is obviously huge. And so, this is probably somebody that, you know, going into next year, once his stats, like, inflate and he goes crazy, it's going to be really no surprise because he's just an all-around great athlete really contributes to both sides of the ball i feel like the couple newcomer of the year candidate candidates we've talked about so far are really just either special teams or defense but uh, for brogan palmer here he plays both ways and highland you know that's a very good program obviously this year was a rebuilding year but they got an athlete and brogan palmer over there who's already making some noise so there you go but those are your newcomer of the year candidates Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and cut to Gideon, and he is going to give his um, Newcomer of the Year vote, and then we're going to go down the line here. Hello, wonderful people. This is Gideon, and now I am going to give my end of the year votes. First, I'm going to go and do my Newcomer of the Year vote. First, I will list all of the nominees that we felt had some good merit. Then we're going to go through the final four. And finally, I'm going to tell you all my personal pick. We're going to start with the nominees that did not make the final four. First, we have Carson Van Dyke of Rocky Ford, who had 24 tackles on the season. Pretty solid. We have Quinn Tanner of Platte Canyon. Two interceptions for that went 38 yards on the return, 18 tackles, and one tackle for loss. And Jacob Young, uh, he had 988 passing yards and nine touchdowns, but had 14 interceptions on the year. Next, we have the final four. We have Enzo Hernandez from Jefferson, who had 51 tackles and nine sacks. We have Carlos Sanchez Diaz, also of Jefferson, who had 49 tackles, 12 of which were for loss. We have Danny Sante from Lyman, who has, who was 34-36 on PATs this year and one-on-one -on, -one on field goals, 37 total points from the freshman kicker. And finally, we have Brogan Palmer from Highland. He has 181 receiving yards, one touchdown, 27 tackles, three tackles for loss, three hurries, and three deflections. Personally, I'm going to go with Brogan Palmer. Brogan Palmer is the second best freshman that I watched play all year. Uh, and the, the dude is an absolute menace. He towers over the defense. When I watched them, when I watched Highland play Flatirons Academy, he was one of the main pieces that was able to help shut down the, the Flatirons air game. He managed to break through the line a number of times, almost got a sack, managed to slow guys down, which I believe is a really important piece. Close, close second for me though, Danny Sente. Those numbers on the number one seed for kicking, you'll love to see. It, it just comes down to personal preference there. Uh, I, I prefer a guy that is on the field like more offensively and defensively, but I cannot deny the value that those 37 points have. Long story short, I'm going to go with Brogan Palmer, but Danny, you were a very close second. 
Uh, Cody, do you want to talk about the Twitter votes here? Who was our fan favorite? Who won the fan vote for Newcomer of the Year? Yeah, so I, I love talking about these. I love putting these together here because, I mean, really, with these in mind, there's almost like two separate ways you can win an award, in my opinion, with these polls available because... Whoever wins the fan vote, that is the people's choice for that award, right? So there's a lot of pride to be had there. And out of 276 votes, so thanks for plugging into there, I'm going to go ahead and announce that Danny Sante is your, as in you, the people's uh, choice for newcomer of the year with a whopping 57.6% of votes. That was actually the most by any single candidate in any category for any award. Um, so yeah, he won that by a pretty large margin. Uh, shout out to Brogan Palmer with 26.1% of the vote and Carlos Sanchez Diaz and Enzo, uh, with 10.1 and 6.2 respectively, but the fan newcomer of the year is Danny Sante here. And, uh, yeah, so Simon, there's another contributor here who is not on the podcast episode, our guy, Anthony Garcia. Do you want to go ahead and announce his selection for newcomer of the year? Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. And, uh, you know, go ahead and look at Mile High Prep Report. We have that linked in our bio. You know, he does a lot of great things for Colorado high school football, especially small town high school football and high school sports in general. So that's a quick plug for Anthony there. There you go. But Anthony Garcia has voted Enzo Hernandez from Jefferson as his newcomer of the year candidate so there we go the vote is already split three different ways there but uh cody what is your vote i'm gonna go ahead and just go uh throw it back to you here yeah so as if it's not getting muddied enough here with three of the four different candidates being selected coach v i'm gonna put you in a tough spot here or i'm gonna put you in the deciding spot here because i'm gonna go with the other 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 candidate here Carlos Sanchez Diaz. Look, I'm always a big fan. If you tune into last year's awards, I love our guys down in the trenches, especially on that D line who make a big impact as freshmen. I feel like that's one of the hardest spots to really make a huge impact in because you really are just thrown to the wolves here. And this Jefferson team struggled quite a bit, but I mean, in his starts, Carlos Sanchez Diaz was a freaking beast here, recording three tackles for loss three separate times this year and still finding ways to get tackles in a variety of ways for the Saints here. And that pick six really goes a long way. Uh, just imagining that interception, get, being able to you know show that IQ as a very young football player, as a defensive lineman. It's like, okay, not only is he a dog in the trenches, right, but he's also, you know, someone that I think is going to be in that can morph into a leader for this Saints squad. And that is why my vote is going to go towards Carlos Sanchez Diaz here. And Simon, with the vote, this is why we have five different votes, by the way, for anyone that wonders why. Oh, why do you go with five? Because it gets muddy and we still almost end up with ties a lot of the time. But uh, luckily, Coach V has no choice but to break that tie here to conclude our Newcomer of the Year segment. Yes, and you know, with my final vote here for Newcomer of the Year, 2022 1A Colorado High School Football Newcomer of the Year, I'm going to go ahead 
and have to side with the people and go ahead and vote for Danny Sante out of Lyman. Hey, yo, look, Rhett Armstrong from Palmer Ridge, he got nominated for Newcomer of the Year on 4A last year. Didn't win. I, I think I was his only vote. <laughs> I think I was his only vote. And so Rhett, you know, he walked so that Danny could run here. And so run, Danny, run. He is going to be our <laughs> Newcomer of the Year. Um, not every day you see a kicker win it. But, hey, you know, consistency, especially uh, in the kicking game, is key, as uh, we see pretty much every week in the NFL. And as if Lyman wasn't already overpowered, now they're just more overpowered. But uh, definitely on all sides of the ball now so there you go there shout out to danny sante and shout out to the rest of these freshmen i mean it takes guts you know to play on varsity as a freshman these aren't jv numbers here they're in varsity games playing against varsity competition with varsity pressure i think that's important to keep in mind as well and so that's why i gotta go with danny sante cody what do you think about that I had a feeling that this is gonna come up because I remember you. I remember you weren't very happy with my reaction to your nomination of Brett Armstrong last year in 4A. Um, I I'm not even gonna lie. Simon has put in a lot of work here for me to start to respect kickers and punters and uh, include them on these lists. So um, you know, I I and I've come around. I've come around for sure. And so I'm not. Uh, I'm not feeling any kind of way other than just happy for Danny here, winning Newcomer of the Year. He has the efficiency, and, you know, I think that he's only going to continue to have opportunities to prove his efficiency and continue to show, you know, why Lyman is one of the best teams as an all-around football team. And Danny Sante is a part of that well-roundedness of that Badger squad. And uh, please, once again, make sure to check out episode 209 to see what we have to say, each of us individually, about that Badger squad in the playoffs. But, uh, and to echo Coach V's sentiment here, congratulations to all of these guys here, but especially to our 2022 Newcomer of the Year for 1A football, Danny Sante. Yes. And, uh, yeah, Coach V, do you want to transition us to this next award here yeah let's just keep it going here so let's go ahead and talk about your 2022 colorado high school football 1a offensive playmaker of the year candidates um there, there are a lot and even then it still felt like we left out some guys shout out to chase real from banning lewis academy he was one of our honorable mentions here um by the way only a sophomore and he really turned up got really close to actually he passed a thousand rushing yards with this last game i want to say cody and so he is a very big bright spot on this team as well as some of the other guys that were definitely you know uh, in consideration here but let me go ahead and get this thing started like i said all the stats are basically from uh right before the last week of the regular season but we got julio flores out of wiggins we got to watch him play against strasburg in that absolute battle where he really proved himself to be one of the best football players in the state of colorado you know that was not an easy game to go out to strasburg you know and just battle through the elements and all that and you know of course they came up short but they really did you know pushed 
Strasburg here, and I believe a big part of that is because of Julio Flores. And on the year, he terrorized other teams. Um, I mean, he ran for 1,155 rushing yards and 16 rushing touchdowns. Also, I know it's Offensive Playmaker of the Year, but I'm going to mention his 39 sa- or 39 tackles and 4 sacks, not 39 sacks. That would be insane. Um, but there you go there. And so he really turned up for... Wiggins. I do want to highlight some performances here. Um, not only did he have that great game against Strasburg, but I believe he actually won Playmaker of the Week or was a candidate for that in his performance against Tua Platte Valley where he went ballistic in that game. And that's a good squad there. They're not bad by any means. And so uh, there you go. That's Julio Flores out of Wiggins. Cody, do you want to talk about the next candidate here? Yeah, sure thing. So on our offensive playmaker of the year we outside of julio flores there are quite a few guys that know how to carry the football here and keegan gunter is another one of those guys here but he's also versatile and that's what lands him on our offensive playmaker of the year candidacy look keegan not only rushing for 758 yards and 14 touchdowns here both being drastically improved on less volume not to mention as a runner this year but his production in every single way had an uptick as a receiving threat here 30 receptions 400 yards and seven touchdowns more than doubling his touchdown output putting him over 20 touchdowns on the year on just the offensive side of the ball and i know that you know we're sticking to offensive playmaker of the year but, you know, he did tack on another three interceptions. But he was also a special teams threat here, having 272 total return yards. And that is just another facet of his game. Those two touchdowns that he did return on punt team, I think also should count. Because, you know, if you're an offensive playmaker, you score. And <laughs> when you're receiving the ball on punt team, as soon as that ball touches your hands, you are on offense. And so he turned two of those punts into touchdowns here, making his total for the end of the year, 23 total touchdowns here, putting in just dynamic work for this Monte Vista squad that all in all had huge leaps in basically every single category here. And Keegan Gunter is a huge part of that formula. Yes, absolutely. Also, Keegan Gunter is top five in Colorado high school football and total touchdowns scored. That's on all levels, 1A through 5A. So uh, he's been really turning up and doing his thing there and scoring, you know, and so that's why he's here. But let me go ahead and talk about another offensive playmaker of the year candidate, and that is Zach Marrero out of Strasburg. Uh, obviously got to see him play against Wiggins in that big-time battle on the year. He really went off near the end after that uh, tough stretch at the beginning, which he didn't play bad by any means. But he really turned up to he turned it up to another level uh, after that stretch here. But he ran for 1,109 rushing yards, 18 rushing touchdowns, also, doing some damage through the air as well. He had 153 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns, like I said, right before that last regular season game. Uh, showing once again, you know, it's important to catch the ball and be a versatile back, and that's who he is as he has helped power the Strasburg offense and team in general. And that's why, you know, they are the two seed or one of the reasons why they're the two seed in 1A. Yeah, absolutely. Zach Marrero, beast. Also, 
just a great guy as well. So got a shout out to uh, our, our Strasbourg guys, very polite and, uh, you know, always willing to have conversation and, you know, understands that it's all football. So shout out to one of our listeners slash uh, PMC fan members who, who gets it. But um, obviously Coach V here had to leave the last candidate for me because it's a receiving threat here. Talking about Jose Gonzalez out of Estes Park High School. Look, this guy almost had a thousand yards on the year, which is unheard of for a receiver on 1A basically. And he's only a junior too. So this season on top of, you know, having a couple of carries, but that's not really his bread and butter. His bread and butter is 45 receptions for 903 yards and 11 touchdowns. And I guarantee projected over a 10 game season, he definitely would have been a thousand yard receiver. So you'll love to see that. And this is another one of those guys that has a ton of yards returning kickoffs here. He had another 300 yards, including a long of 82 returning kickoffs here. And, you know, those were a part of his, his ability to score as well. Two kickoff returns, four touchdowns for Kickoff returns four touchdowns, not to be confused with the number four. Um, but, you know, that brings his total to 13 touchdowns on the year, making it better than last year. And also having five different two-point conversions on receptions as well. So just being the number one guy on the number one passing offense in 1A is a huge deal and a big reason why he is a candidate for Offensive Playmaker of the Year. Simon do we want to switch over to Gideon here and just kind of keep our same rhythm of Gideon fans, Garcia, me, you? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Let's go to Gideon for his vote for Offensive Playmaker of the Year. Now on to the Offensive Playmaker of the Year candidates. Uh, the only one that we had that didn't make the Final Four cut was Chase Real. I, I hope I'm saying that right, Chase. Uh he had 850 rushing yards, 14 rushing touchdowns, 10 receptions for 170 yards, and a touchdown. So, pretty good overall. Uh, but now onto the final four. We have Jose Gonzalez, uh, who had 100, 864 receiving yards and 11 receiving tutties. Uh, Keegan Gunter, he had 693 r- rushing yards, 14 rushing touchdowns, 329 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns and two punt return touchdowns. Uh, Zach Marrero, he had 1,109 rushing yards with 18 touchdowns uh, as of us putting together this list. 153 receiving yards for with four receiving touchdowns and 33 tackles. And finally, Julio Flores, uh, with 1,155 rushing yards, 16 rushing touchdowns, very good defensive play as well. Okay, this may be controversial. Personally, I'm going to go with Julio Flores. Julio Flores is definitely in my top five for running backs that I've watched play this year. Uh, he's up there with Nisant, uh from Pooter. Uh, he's up there with Josh Schneider from Columbine. He's up there. Um, and I haven't seen Marrero play. But these teams, uh, Marrero's on Strasbourg. These teams are at about the same level, about the same level of production. At that point, it comes down to who... It, it, it comes down to personal preference. And 
based off of what I've seen and how it's been described to me, I'm going to go with Flores. But Marrero is, is second for me. Thank you, Gideon, for filling us in on that. And now we're back here with the fan vote to announce who is your Offensive Playmaker of the Year. This was the closest poll. Yeah, this was the closest poll. This was decided by just over 2%. 2.1% difference here between two very strong candidates. But Keegan Gunter is the one that pulls this one out. 43.6% of the votes. Just narrowly edging out Zach Marrero here at 41.5%. But uh, congratulations to Keegan Gunter for being your Offensive Playmaker of the Year and the, as in your, the fans' Offensive Playmaker of the Year. But let's see where the other votes fall here. Coach V, what did Anthony Garcia of Mile High Prep Report have to say about this race? So Anthony Garcia had to go with his guy, Keegan Gunter, out of Monte Vista. And I don't blame him. I mean, obviously, he's had a great year. And uh, I know Anthony down there has been able to witness some of his greatness this season. And so that is who he is rolling with. So that's another vote for Keegan Gunter. Now, Cody, you know, who, who do you have in mind? for Offensive Playmaker of the Year. Well, Simon, I hope that I'm not going to be stealing any of your thunder. Now, I know what all the fans are thinking, that I'm, I would vote for Jose Gonzalez, and I did think about it. You know, I have that wide receiver bias for me. But, you know, I do think that I'm going to have to put the nail in the coffin here for Keegan Gunter and be his third vote. Just the strides that he was able to take and the versatility on offense. Lots of touches, lots of touchdowns even. Just being a very versatile threat for this Monte Vista squad. And I got to look at the huge improvement. They were 6-4 and four last year. They're 8-1 and one this year. And, you know, his ability to also return punts and kickoffs. You know, it's something that I expect him to probably do in the postseason as well. And, you know, those 23 touchdowns and the variety of which they come in is very impressive to me. You know, the versatility is off the charts here for Keegan Gunter, and he has my vote for Offensive Playmaker of the Year. Coach V, I hope I didn't ruin your thunder here uh, to give you a lame duck vote here, but uh, who is your vote for Offensive Playmaker of the Year? No, that's okay. <laughs> I was kind of glad uh, you voted. Well, I'm always glad when you vote first here, but uh, I was actually going to vote for Zach Marrero. I know it doesn't count for well not now for anything uh it was definitely close in the twitter votes and if he would have edged keegan gunter out then we probably would be tied here and i think f we decided for everything except for mvp we could have co co-winners right right cody at least this year that's what we're doing yeah we can have co-winners if the if the ties happen but uh this is a great time to remind everyone that our tie-breaking vote is the fan vote. So if there is a tie, the fan vote is the one that sways the final way uh, if there ever is a tie. Yeah. So good time to remind for that for most valuable players. Okay, well, there, there we go there. Um, 
But, you know, it, it'd be tied 2-2. Too, too. <laughs> but I, I just want to vote for my guy, Zach Marrero, here. I mean, obviously, he's turned up for Strasbourg, done a lot for them. And so there's really no surprises here. I mean, all these players are heck of a players. And I got a ton of respect for Keegan Gunter here. He's uh, half of the greatness on that Monta Vista backfield, uh, in that Monta Vista backfield. So, or I guess a third if you count the quarterback, which uh, you have to. So, yeah, but still, you know, a really big part of that. So shout out to him and congratulations uh, to Keegan Gunter of Monta Vista for winning uh, the 2022 Colorado High School Football 1A Offensive Playmaker of the Year. Cody, do you want to talk about our Defensive Playmaker of the Year candidates? Absolutely. This one was insane. All of these guys, I mean, just like every category, all of these guys are here for a reason. But man, these defensive playmakers of the year were absolute dogs this year. And so I'm going to go ahead and talk about our four candidates here. One of them being Trayton Marks, a consistent, you know, speaking force for, you know, playmaker of the week. Constantly in the conversation, constantly, you know, making us think outside the box a little bit for uh, looking for other ones because we probably could have just chosen him every single week for the entire year, more or less. But I mean, the stats we got here, 74 tackles, 16 and a half of those for loss, nine sacks, so almost double digit sacks, one forced fumble and two fumble recoveries. And I'm pretty sure that one of those fumble recoveries or, or the forced fumble, I don't remember exactly which one, but one of those came in that Strasburg game on the road and was hyper critical in that win so yeah absolutely big performance here from you know this squad but uh you know in in the end here it does go you know uh trademarks way to be a candidate here for this squad simon you want to talk about one of our other um maybe our other defensive end uh candidate here yeah, I was going to do that. Uh, and so Nate Tonneson out of Colorado Springs Christian CSCS is another defensive playmaker of the year candidate. He plays uh, an edge rusher defensive end. Before uh, last week of the regular season, he had 92 tackles, 9 tackles for loss, 6 sacks, and 12 hurries. I mean, kid was an absolute beast. I, I had the privilege of watching him play twice, once at the beginning of the year uh, against Flatirons Academy, who is in the playoffs, and then another time against Banning Lewis Academy, who just barely missed the playoffs. But he made big plays when they mattered. A lot of the sacks he did get came in the fourth quarter when, you know, they needed a close. You know, you needed a closer on defense, and Nate Tonneson came through, and you could count on him to get you that sack or get the pressure, which would be, in my opinion, just as good as a sack. And so he's really turned up for Colorado Springs Christian here and is a key part of that squad, you know. And so um, there's no surprise why that he's a defensive playmaker of the year candidate. Uh, but Cody, do you want to talk about another uh, candidate here? Yeah, let's just keep it rolling with the defensive ends here and talk about Tell Wade of the Ray Eagles program. This guy is a Wyoming commit. He is an absolute beast at six foot three, 200 and some mod pounds. And boy, did he register this year as a serious force here. Not even his best year, but still one of the best years by a defensive playmaker in the state here. 
going for 59 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, and six sacks while also notching three hurries being a second highest for him. But, uh, you know, what ways that he stepped up here is he forced the most fumbles that, uh, or he actually recovered the most fumbles of his career. My bad. Uh, and so two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, setting a career high here. And, you know, leading this defense that really hasn't allowed a whole lot of points here. I mean, this Ray team is ranked number six heading into the postseason. And over nine games, they've only allowed 118 points. So like a little over 12 points per game is being allowed by this team. And they've had a uh, couple of shutouts as well. So tell Wade being an integral part of that very solid Ray defense. And uh, Simon, we have one candidate here that isn't on the defensive line. You want to fill us in? Yeah, he plays linebacker for Jefferson and is only a junior, I believe, but that's Sebastian Torres out of Jefferson High School. Uh, 108 tackles, 24 tackles for loss, 8 sacks, and that was all before the last week of the regular season. Uh, he was a tackle leader here in 1A, a sack leader. I believe he had to have been a tackle for loss leader as well. I mean, he really stuffed the stat sheet, uh, which is a shame that, you know, some of his game uh, or great games kind of went you know, like they, like Jefferson didn't win as much as they could have, uh, despite him and some of these other guys really putting in work. But uh, shout out to Sebastian Torres out of Jefferson for really stuffing the stat sheet here at linebacker. But there you go; those are your 2022 uh, 1A Defensive Playmaker of the Year candidates. Uh, as always, we're gonna go ahead and go to Gideon. He's gonna give his Defensive Playmaker of the Year vote. Next up, we have the Defensive Playmaker of the Year candidates. So, as with the Newcomer of the Year, I'm going to go through the... Uh, didn't make the Final Four nominees, but still damn good. So, first we have Lucas Boivert. Uh, 58 tackles, 4.5 sacks, 3 forced fumbles, 7 fumble recoveries. Very, very solid. You have... Dominic Conrardi, uh, 58 tackles, 2 sacks, 19 tackles for loss. Very, very good. Uh, Pepper Rusher uh, from Wiggins. I, I managed to get to see him play at Platte Valley. Uh, he had 55 tackles and 5 sacks on the year, which is pretty darn good. Uh, then we get to the final four. We have Trayton Marks. He has 74 tackles, 16 and a half for loss. Nine sacks, one forced fumble, and two fumble recoveries. Uh, we have Tell Wade, 53 tackles, 12 of which for loss, six sacks, two forced fumbles, and recoveries. Then we have Nathaniel Tunnison, uh, 92 tackles, nine for loss, six sacks, 12 hurries. And finally, we have Sebastian Torres, 108 tackles, 24 of which were for loss, and eight sacks. And finally, my pick for 1A Defensive Playmaker of the Year, I'm going to have to go with Trayton Marks. Marks, he has played against almost all of the top 10 teams in 1A. And he has really, really good numbers. That isn't anything to discredit any of the other guys here. But looking at it... He just played the best against the best teams. A close second for me would be Nathaniel Tennyson. Again, sorry if I'm saying your last name wrong. I'm just not sure how to do the accent there. But 
yeah, I, my vote goes to Trayton Marks. All right, and thank you, Gideon. Now, Cody, do you want to talk about Anthony Garcia's Defensive Playmaker of the Year vote here? Yeah, I can talk about Anthony's uh, Defensive Playmaker of the Year vote here, trying to throw a curveball at me. But, uh, you know, Anthony Garcia here, once again, huge shout-out to Mile High Prep Report and all the work that he does, especially on the Western Slope. Just want to shout that out because we're not able to make it that far out west as much as he is. And so, you know, huge shout out to him being able to do that. But his selection for Defensive Playmaker of the Year actually comes from the east side of the state. And it's the Wyoming commit, Tell Wade, being Anthony Garcia's choice for Defensive Playmaker of the Year. And notching this tally at one and one with two different candidates here. And uh, I don't think that the fan vote's going to make it too much easier, is it, Simon? Nope, definitely not. As uh, Nate Tonneson out of Colorado Springs Christian wins the fan vote here uh, by a solid amount. He had 51.1% of the votes. That's out of... Uh, 200, 227 votes here. You know, the next closest was Traden Marks with 23.8. So shout out to Colorado Springs Christian for coming out in force and voting for their boy here. And I don't even blame them. I mean, he was prime time for them. So there you go. They're prime time, but at defensive end. But Cody, what is your vote for defensive playmaker of the year? Well, Coach V, this is always a hard one here as, uh, man, there's just a lot of really good candidates here. But, you know, through process of elimination here and through sheer force of will here, as well as, you know, being a a first time or at least a one year starter, according to Max Preps here, I'm going to lean towards the fan vote here and go with Nate Tonneson. Look, I was going back and forth, admittingly, between him and Trayton Marks. It is a very hard vote to have, but you look at just some of the bonkers numbers that he was putting up, especially, you know, you look at that really close win over Flatirons Academy where he has 18 total tackles. That's absurd. So, you know, that that ends up being one of the more important games this year as they do get a higher seed than Flatirons Academy here. Against Monte Vista, he played his heart out, just didn't quite come up with the outcome that he was hoping for here. But, you know, in another close game against Rye, where they almost won league, he had 14 tackles and a tackle for loss. And then in that Banning Lewis Academy game, I mean, look, that game ultimately is the difference between Colorado Springs Christian being in the 1A playoffs and Banning Lewis Academy being in the 1A playoffs here. And in that game, having those two tackles for loss, that 11 total tackles, listening to Coach V's recap of that game, not positive which episode that's on, but I mean, he was just going crazy. I heard his name over and over again with Coach V talking about this game. And, you know, with them clutching that game and clutching a spot in the playoffs, I'm going to have to give Defensive Playmaker of the Year vote to Nate Tonneson here. Coach V, what's it going to be? Well, <laughs> uh, I was actually going to vote for Traden Marks out of Lyman, and I'm still going to stand on that. 
uh, because, I mean, he's just been dominating. I think there were a lot of concerns about, all right, well, Lyman, they're losing a lot of guys up front, uh, especially, like, leadership up front, so there you go. Uh, you're losing some guys like uh, like a Trey Hines and all them boys, you know, Jeremiah Leeper as well on defense, but Trayden Marks has really, uh, I mean, in my opinion, he's really stepped it up, and low-key, if he didn't play offensive line, could have been an MVP candidate in my eyes, and so I am going to vote for for trading marks here but we do have a tie here um two and two for trading marks and nate tonneson and as you said cody we're gonna have to go ahead and go with the fan vote here and that is nate tonneson so nate tonneson out of colorado springs christian is your 1a 2022 defensive playmaker of the year cody what do you think about that little twist there i first off i love the fans and and their participation this was, you know, a, a solid enough poll with 227 votes. Uh, not the biggest, not the smallest, but I mean, like you said, the Colorado Springs Christian community really tuned in to here. And, you know, this is one of the, as the person who puts the polls together, this was the only poll where I could tag every single school of the candidate here. So every school had an opportunity to vote on this. And, you know, the CSCS Lions Athletics page really promoted their guy. They got onto the polls. They logged in. And so I think that, you know, with the participation, it's very important to consider that and applaud that as well, you know, because the thing about high school football is that it's a big community thing here. And so the Colorado Springs Christian community just really showed up for their guy, Nate, here, just like he's been showing up and representing the community for them all season. And, you know, we, we do wish all of our candidates the best of luck in any future games that they have. And, uh, you know, looking at that Colorado Springs Christian squad, uh, they are very fortunate to have Nate Tonneson, and it's he's key to them being in the playoffs in the first place, so I respect it for sure. But it is one of the crazier votes. It's Well, it's the craziest vote we've had so far in the episode uh, outside of maybe that four-way tie that you had the tiebreaker on. So I love, uh, I love the anticipation, and I love uh, when the fans kind of have a final say here. Yeah, no, absolutely agreed. And, I mean, shout out to that Colorado Springs Christian community. The two games I went to were really fun. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, great crowd and everything. They're really enthusiastic about their teams. And they, uh, I mean, maybe it was because the two games I went to were, like, one of the most important games of the season. But they really packed those stands over there at UCCS. And so, a uh, huge shout out to them. And, I mean, huge shout out to all these uh, playmakers in general. Obviously, they're all going to have to go to work here in these playoffs uh we'd expect nothing less you know but uh nate tonneson super well deserving here i mean all these guys super well deserving i am just gonna say this trading marks uh, i believe he's only a junior right cody so uh he might be coming back next year we'll have to see about that you know he he might have another chance and uh now that i think about it coach v those two games that you went to were two of the most important games of the year and they won both of them, so I'd be very surprised if they're not trying to be like, hey, come out to another game. Maybe you're their good luck charm. <laughs> we'll see. Well, they play Lyman, so, <laughs> so it's going to be a direct, uh, it's going to it's gonna be interesting, actually, because I believe they play them tonight when this episode comes out, and so, right? Yeah. No, they play Boy oh, they, Vista. Oh, they play Buena Vista, my bad. I was thinking of uh, Flatirons Academy. Because they're the 16th seed. 
Yep, and I mean both those teams played each other, and That's you right. also saw that exhilarating game too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. We ain't gonna hold no, you. No, I, I got you. I got because I was about to say that'd be an interesting storyline if Nate Tonneson went up against uh, Traden Marks, um, because uh, you know, like defense versus offense. We would see pound for pound how it goes. Yeah, that'd be. Yeah, sweet. there you go. That would have decided. We'll just have to. We'll just have to imagine it unless they meet in the playoffs, which would be crazy. <laughs> go ahead and listen to our playoff preview to see how many of us maybe predicted that. Or maybe didn't predict it that. Would. But, it um, would definitely be crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, anyways. Yeah, we we have one more award category yeah. here. And it's the most important one. So I, I'm not trying to d- diminish anything else that has been accomplished. Kudos to all these playmakers and all their nominations. But Simon, this is the 1A most valuable playmaker here. Yes, it definitely is. I mean, does it really need to be explained? I'm going to explain it anyways. It goes to the MVP (laughs) of 1A, the best player pound for pound in 1A. And we got a lot of great candidates here who have really turned up for their squads. Uh, Cody, do you mind if I go ahead and get this thing started here? Send it. Bet. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Ryland Reitz out of Estes Park. Look, they didn't make the playoffs. But the numbers that Rylan Reeds put up for Estes Park, a 1A squad, were insane. Like I said, going into the last week of the regular season, he had 2,569 passing yards, 31 touchdowns to only 10 interceptions. Uh, that's really good. I mean, you got to consider Estes Park, they're a throwing team. And so you could definitely have more interceptions than 10. You know, but for him to have 31 touchdowns and run that offense well, that is definitely big time. I mean, that's good enough for him to be top five in the state of Colorado, um, not only in passing yards, but in passing touchdowns, I believe. And you don't see that every day on the 1A level. You got a lot of teams that love to run the ball, and they do it well. I'm not even going to blame them there. But Estes Park, they work with what they got, they run that spread. That's that's why you see guys like Jose Gonzalez here, uh, Michael McCown. He didn't make our, any of our list, and I don't think he'll make our all playmaker list. But he really turned up, had a great season as well. You know, he almost had two receivers that had a thousand receiving yards and ten touchdowns a pop. They were really close to that number, and so uh, there you go. That's Rylan Reitz out of Estes Park. All right, and uh, yeah, no, Ryland's really, really impressive, and one of the top passers in Colorado football period and that's on a that's on a shorter season than most of the quarterbacks that uh, are on the leaderboard will have so you know there's that to consider but uh no there is a stud here and one of the most improved teams in Colorado and that is a Monte Vista pirate here in D'Angelo Archuleta here an absolute beast another guy who really just helped keep this wheel turning a thousand yards running the ball here and 16 touchdowns, 500 plus yard games, and an ab- absurd eight yards per carry for this guy who just really turned up. He also had a receiving touchdown for this Monte Vista squad, but it's also what he was able to do on the defensive side of the ball that puts him in this conversation here. Ryland Reitz is actually one of the uh, rarities here for most valuable playmaker being a one-way guy because you know D'Angelo Archuleta here on the defensive side 76 tackles nine of those for loss so you know even more tackles for loss than last year he also registered a sack two pass deflections and a fumble recovery and 
Did you think that he wasn't going to be producing in special teams? You must be nuts because he had over 100 yards on special teams here. So just from a yards perspective, he's a he's almost at 1,100 total yards here. And he's scored touchdowns in almost every single way imaginable here while still playing most of their snaps on the defensive side of the ball as well. That's most valuable playmaker candidate D'Angelo Archuleta. There you go. An actual, well, not. I don't want to say it like that. I was going to say he's an actual beast, but he is an actual beast. But uh, there you go there. Now, the next guy I'm going to talk about is an actual beast, a lot like D'Angelo Archuleta. But uh, kind of like Ryland Reitz here, kind of uh, did play on a, uh, well, on a losing team, you know, they just didn't win a lot of games and it wasn't because of him because he put his heart and soul into this thing. And so I want to make sure we go ahead and give him the credit he deserves. And he definitely deserves being an all or well, an MVP candidate here. And he plays for the pinnacle over at Federal Heights. And that is the senior running back slash, I believe, linebacker Noah Estes. I do actually have his current stats here because he went insane here at the end of the season. But he had 1,587 rushing yards and eight rushing touchdowns on the season. Also had a receiving touchdown there uh, as well. And then on defense, he had 77 tackles, uh, two sacks, and then he forced a fumble here in this last game against Emmanuel, you know, trying to trying to get a dub here before his senior season ended. They did lose that one barely 42 to 41. But in that game, he had 39 carries for 306 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. That's 7.8 yards a pop there. There's a reason why he's in this conversation rightfully. So despite not being on the best team so there you go that's noah estes out of federal heights the pinnacle uh here so there you go i also just want to point out that this pinnacle squad if you don't include forfeits that this is like the most wins that they've had in a season since like 2015 and so you know that's another uh another bit to add on to his claim to fame even though the team results aren't all there but this next candidate here if anyone has the team results it's gabe shoebarth here for lyman high school now while these numbers uh don't jump off the page as much as maybe they did last year he's way more of a key cog for this lyman badger team on offense getting 144 carries for 1079 yards and 13 touchdowns he also had a receiving touchdown this year, but on the defensive side of the ball, he also notched 57 tackles, five of those being for loss and an interception this year, his first career interception, and also had lots of kickoff return yards upwards of 240, including a long of 87 here. And so, you know, with all these touchdowns for him and, you know, for Gabe Schubarth here, something to keep in mind is you look at his numbers last year and he had to be a lot more fresh. There was significantly reduced carries. He was the complimentary back, I'd say, who'd get a lot of those opportunities when they were trying to rest Jeremiah Leeper. But, you know, this Lyman team played one of the hardest schedules in Colorado football this year. And I'm saying that for any level here, uh, as they did go 9-0 against literally all playoff teams. And... 
You know, I think Gabe Shubarth was integral to that performance. And so he is our fourth most valuable playmaker candidate here. But we're going to pass it off to Gideon, who does have something to say about all these candidates and also is going to cast his vote. And finally, we have our MVP candidates. Uh, so the guys that didn't quite make the cut uh, for the final four, we have Wyatt Sprague with 1,118 passing yards. He had 14 touchdowns, only four interceptions, 130 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, and 42 tackles. We have Cole Kerr, who had 884 passing yards and was 12 for eight on the year, so he had 12 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Uh, however, made up for those eight interceptions with 558 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, along with 47 tackles and two interceptions. Next up, we have Noah Estes uh, from the Pinnacle. Uh, he was one of the state leaders in rushing yards this year. He had 1,587 rushing yards with five rushing touchdowns and 77 tackles on the year. Uh, then we have D'Angelo Archuleta from Monta Vista. He had 990 rushing yards, uh, 16 rushing touchdowns, 55 tackles, seven of which were for loss. He got Gabe Schubarth, uh, 905 rushing yards, 12 rushing touchdowns, 49 tackles, one interception. And then you have Ryland Reitz, who had 2,569 passing yards, uh, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions on the year. Now, when it comes to my personal pick, I'm going to have to go with D'Angelo Archuleta. Monta Vista, they're on, on the 1A playoff bracket. They have a pretty good chance uh, against Lyman. They're probably the only team on that side of the bracket that I can see beating them. Um, even then, it would have to be like a perfect, perfect game. Um, but th then we look at his numbers, 990 rushing yards, 16 touchdowns, then also more tackles and a lot more tackles for loss than a lot of guys. Close, close second for me, though, has to be the engine of the offense on the best team in 1A. You got Gabe Schubarth, absolute beast. I, From everything that I've heard, I haven't had a chance to watch Lyman play, but from everything I've heard, that is a damn good team. Yeah, long story short, D'Angelo Archuleta, he's got my MVP vote. So, there are my votes. If you agree, disagree, you're allowed to. There, there are a couple where it's close. It's very, very close. But it's up to me in terms of voting. So, I hope you all have a good day, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Thank you, Gideon, for filling us in there. And like Gideon said, really anybody could have won this award or any of these awards and huge shout out to all of the nominees up until this point here but uh it's gonna start to get pretty dicey here simon because i believe that uh, anthony garcia is gonna throw a little bit of a wrench here on archuleta's lead here is that correct yeah, he definitely does, which is surprising uh, in some ways, you know. But, you know, he went ahead and cast his vote for Gabe Shubarth out of Lyman High School. And I don't blame him. I mean, Gabe, if you look at his numbers, like I said, not the most amount of yards. Still a very good season, but if you look at what he did against a very good opponents here, I mean, the resume speaks for itself. So there you go. Absolutely, and, you know, 
this this award race as it should is going to be pretty back and forth here this one was another really close one from the fans here this one was only decided by 3.6 percent here with noah estes at 40 percent coming in second place to d'angelo archuleta who is you the fans choice for most valuable playmaker here and i mean shout out to monte vista here for throwing some love for their guys on these polls here as they secured their second consec or their second successful uh nominee for the fan votes here but uh coach v if you don't mind i'd like to um throw a wrench in myself here and keep it interesting yeah no go ahead my vote for most valuable playmaker is gonna go to gabe shoebarth putting this at a two and two if it was do if it was gonna go to tiebreaker here d'angelo archuleta would win because of the fan vote but i gotta pull it close because look gabe shoebarth for me this most valuable playmaker argument is best player on the best team that's the way i see it i just want to go through this schedule real quick and talk about all these performances that gabe shoebarth had to put a get put together look their season opener was against a 2a playoff team that is the three seed in the postseason in florence and they beat them by double by more than two scores here as Shubarth had 16 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. The next week, they face off against Meeker, the 11 seed in 1A, 14 carries, 157 yards, and two scores. In that Strasburg game, he had to be very patient. He did not get to rip off a really long gain against this tough Strasburg team until late. Strasburg, the number two team in state on the 1A level, who they beat 27-0, thanks in part to a touchdown from Gabe Shubarth here, not to mention a very solid, you know, performance guiding this defense, watching what he was doing, making sure people were lined up in the right spot was huge. You know, they beat Buena Vista pretty hard and he had three touchdowns in that game. Buena Vista being the number five seed, I want to say in 1A football. Burlington, now Burlington maybe shouldn't be a playoff team, but they are anyway, and so he almost had 200 yards and three scores in that game. In their closest game of the season against Ray, they only win this game 13-8, to but he has his best defensive performance in that game, having nine total tackles and a tackle for loss. You keep going through the schedule, it just continually impresses here as they beat Wiggins you know he has 186 yards and that's against the number three team in state two touchdowns in that game against Yuma another 174 yards in that game and a touchdown not even to mention that you know just his ability to flow around the field in a lot of these games especially down the stretch in league when these games mattered most that's when his some of his best performances were looking holy oak two tackles for loss and five total tackles and, you know, that was one of their closer games of the year, and he didn't get handoffs. So what does that tell you? But my argument here for Gabe Shubarth, best player on the best team. Coach V, it's at 2-2. You could vote for one of the other candidates here and let the fan vote decide, or you yourself can decide to break this 2-2 tie yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go ahead and vote for Gabe Shubarth out of Lyman. He's your 2022 um, most valuable playmaker of the year. 
for the 1A level here in Colorado. I mean, look, you're right. I mean, he plays for the best team and whatnot, and he's been a big part of why they've been successful. I mean, he's the engine to this offense defensively. He does his thing there as well. I mean, he's a great athlete. I mean, if you just look at bro and look at how athletic he is and just how much he does, it should all be there. He puts in a lot of work, and I also want to shout out his offensive line as well. You know, Caden Becker, Traden Marks, all them boys, because they really do put in a lot of work as well helping him out you know and I'm sure he would give them credit as well but I just want to make sure you know I shout them out because they are some excellent blockers but Gabe I mean you know he does it all and he is on the best team and you know for me it's about showing up in the biggest games and for Lyman it felt like every other game was the biggest game of the season because of how many quality opponents they scheduled which is valid you know I, a lot of Colorado high school football teams kind of dodge uh, but Lyman they don't you know, they're, they're not going to dodge competition. They're going to play you straight up. And, you know, Gabe Schubarth, he's a big part of that. You know, and so uh, I have no problem giving him the MVP here. I think it's very well-deserving. So there you go. That is your 2022 Most Valuable Playmaker here on the 1A level. Cody, what do you think about that before we talk uh, all playmaker? Well, I was definitely holding my breath, man. I mean... Um, it's, it's a tight race and there are a lot of quality players in this race. I also want to shout out the other two guys who didn't collect, you know, votes from, you know, from different directions per se, but I mean, huge shout out to Ryland Reeds. He's continuing a family tradition of being a big time passer up there in Estes Park and the things that he did for this Estes Park team. I really think it's a shame that they didn't make the playoffs even at seven and two. I, I understand how strength of schedule goes and yada, yada, but I mean, uh, it's kind of a bummer that we don't get to see him in the postseason and do his thing. Noah Estes, another shame to not see him in the postseason. But you know what we do get and what I'm going to be thankful for? We do get to see D'Angelo Archuleta and we do get to see Gabe Shubarth do their things as both of those teams are on their quest for state here. And, uh, you know, wishing them the best of luck and uh, all of our other candidates. Thank you all so much for, you know, putting on for the state of Colorado here and uh, allowing us to cover you and for your participation. Thank you, Gideon, for the graphics that he made and for all of his insight on these awards as well. But uh, yeah, that was a crazy race. This is, I feel like 1A was not this crazy last year as far as awards go. I might have to listen again and just see, but I feel like this one, we had a lot of nail biters for these awards this year. And, uh, you know, the fan presence was felt quite a bit. The votes were definitely up this year, so I'm definitely thankful for all that. I mean, 626 votes on Most Valuable Playmaker is by and far one of the most that we've had on a poll. So thank you all for tuning in and turning up for that. Uh, shout out PMC fam. Yes, no, absolutely. I mean, love the 1A level. Uh, and it was close because there were a lot of very well-deserving players and even then like i said there are a lot of players that we had to leave out shout out cole kerr and wyatt sprague as well you know for this mvp race i mean they were definitely in that conversation no doubt about it and so yeah i mean it's going to be really competitive this playoffs will be very interesting as well 
you know, and so, I mean, these guys, all they're going to do is go out and continue to ball out, do their thing, and, you know, if they, if their season has unfortunately ended, you know, that's it for now, maybe we see them pop up and play on the next level, you never know, right, and so, we'll just see about that, but, uh, yes, thank you to everyone, especially Gideon for making those graphics as well, but let's go ahead and talk about all playmaker here, so, here's the thing, you have your all-state teams, right? Uh, I'm sure that's voted on by coaches and whatnot. Uh, for all playmaker teams, they're basically your all-state teams, but there are personal opinions. And so, if you want to get mad at it, you can't. Well, there's we don't also. Care. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go plug ahead. us here a little bit and give us some credit. We actually have like specific numbers of players from each position that are allowed. Um, and so I think that our list, I mean, obviously I'm going to think that our list makes a lot more sense, but it really does. Like I was looking at some of the, we reacted to the all state teams last from last season and what the, there's like no reasoning for like why they have like seven receivers or they have like seven running backs and then only one quarterback like i don't know i don't remember the exact numbers but there are some whack ratios of players here and so i think that ours is a bit more it's more reflective of how they're professionally ton on like the collegiate and professional levels yeah, and not everyone could be a winner. Let's just keep it at that. You know, not everyone could be a winner. We picked the best, you know, from what we heard, from what we've heard, from what we've seen, you know, and so I'm um, just going to keep it there. But, you know, like you said, Cody, we do have some limits on all of our positions here. Uh, and so I'm just going to go across the board and talk about it. And so at quarterback, you know, you'll have two quarterbacks making all playmaker. Running back, you have two running backs. Receiver, you have three receivers. Uh, that'll make it. Uh, by the way, this is the same for all levels, one through 5A, or at least it will be. So there you go. Uh, at tight end, we will only take one tight end, or at least somebody that's listed there. So there you go. At offensive tackle, we'll take two. So guys who have mostly played on that outside on offensive line. And then we have interior offensive linemen. This could be centers, guards, whatever. As long as they play on the interior, we'll take three. So you have five linemen there. So that's your offense. Then defense, we'll take two interior defensive linemen or defensive tackles, however you want to say it. Uh, at edge rusher, we'll take two of those guys. Edge, defensive end, whatever. If you're playing on the edge, then that's what we have you... Um, you know, classified as we look at all your film. So there you go. And then at linebacker, mostly inside linebacker, that is, that's two. At cornerback, we'll take three. At safety, we'll have two. Kicker, we'll have two. And then punter, we'll have one. Um, and there, there is a chance that it could be both there. So there you go. I just want to walk through that process there and whatnot. Um, we don't quite have our list finished <laughs> i'm not even gonna lie but you know there you go there that's just i just want to talk about that real quick here real quick here don't really want to give too many reasons the reasons they make our list is because we like it and we feel like we deserve it or they deserve it right cody yeah i mean look this is playmakers corner is it not so um you know we talk about playmakers on this show and uh you know all play i mean we talked about them on this uh end of the year awards episode you know there's a reason that uh the p stands for playmaker in in those awards and uh you know there's a reason that you know this all playmakers team we made this 
because I, I definitely feel like frustration was a was a part of it here um, as we reacted to last year's all state lists. If you can find that episode, uh, go ahead and give it a listen because there is definitely some very visceral reactions from us. And we're like, who's decided what, what's going on here? You need to have a little bit more rhyme and reason to this. And I think that's where this comes from. So we feel qualified. We've watched a lot of football. We've watched a lot of football. I mean, we watch basically between Simon Gideon and myself. We watch at least, at least four games a week, basically every week, if not more. So, you know, we've seen a lot of football. We've watched a lot of film. We understand how numbers work. And I think that's what's going to land us here for our all playmaker team. So just stay tuned for the uh, graphics for that. Is that right, Coach V? Yeah, I mean, they would have seen it by now if they, well, they most likely would have seen it by now unless they just, you know, subscribe to us on Spotify and they just listen to the episode. Go ahead and go on Instagram and go look at it there. You could look at all the guys who made it and whatnot. Uh, should be in a pretty nice graphic but like I said, you know, it's competitive. Football's competitive. We pick the best, and obviously we're looking at everyone's film. There's not one person's film that we have not looked at on this list, or at least that not one of us have looked at. So there you go. It also, you know, encourages uh, players and coaches to not be lazy. Upload your film, you know, uh, so that we could uh, kind of push you out there. Because there are teams on the next level that are like, hey, what is 1A, you know, Colorado football uh, have to offer what are they all about you know uh we've definitely had a couple messages about that throughout this season and you know in the off season as well but it hurts when you don't have anything on there and it's a picture of you like i don't know fishing or whatever so <laughs> there you go but <laughs> cody laughed a little too hard at that but let's <laughs> but there you go that's your all yeah, playmaker I list be on the lookout for those for all of the episodes um, well, for all the, the end of the year episodes moving forward here uh, for 2A through 5A, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do, um, obviously, your end of the year awards, and then we'll briefly talk about all Playmaker, about some of the guys uh, that make the list or may not make the list. It just kind of depends, you know, but it will be a short little segment there. So there you go there. Cody, do you have any last words here before we sign off? That sounds so ominous, but... Uh... No, I think uh, I think you have the outro this week or on this episode as far as where to find us on social media, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Playmakers Corner. And I'm accidentally doing it and I'm just going to follow through with it. Go ahead and look for us on TikTok at Playmakers Corner where we have been posting highlights from the games we've been attending. And it's only going to get more impressive as it is playoff season. Make sure to listen to episode 209 anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Anchor. And, uh, you know, whenever you go to one of those, make sure to, you know, follow or toggle the little notifications thing so you get notifications every single time we post an episode. We'll be having episodes come out on Tuesdays and Fridays as we have more end-of-the-year awards coming out and then our weekly recaps where we react to playoff weeks, playoff games that we attended to, and then kind of talk about the next round and look ahead to that and also talk about, you know, Gideon 
Coach V and I all filled out brackets for one, two, four, and five A. We will fill out a three A one whenever that playoff bracket is finished. And uh, we have a little bit of a point system. I talked about it very briefly on episode 209, but uh, you know, one of us will be the most right on every single bracket. And uh, you know, a little bit of a friendly competition here at the podcast, never hurt anybody. Also make sure to find us on YouTube, Playmakers Corner, the same as everywhere else. Yeah, and now that I'm out of breath, I'm going to pass it back to Coach V to pick up anything that I may have forgot since, uh, you know, between the two of us, the CTE is real. And uh, we'll see you around on Tuesday. Uh, go ahead and uh, read up at Mile High Prep Report. That's uh, made by Anthony Garcia and his guys over there. Like I said, they do a good job covering small town Colorado football. And then, hey, keep an uh, keep an eye on our Twitter. You know, that's where all of our polls will be and whatnot. So yeah, but uh, we'll see y'all later. <laughs>